purposefully we have to teach our children of the Lord because we can't just raise them with the benefits of a Christian home and then expect them to trip over Jesus and just accidentally learn about him. So we, um, we believe in strong, family, strong families, and that starts with a strong marriage. Our kids, oh, they're sneaky. They try to divide us, don't they? <laughs> well, Dad said. <laughs> and so they don't do it on purpose, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, so we've we're, um, been trying to launch this marriage program. And so just believe God. That's what I need prayer for. We need prayer to launch this marriage program. You know, um, it's, it's a good program. It teaches you why God called us to be married and go forth and to be powerful together. Right? God called us to be powerful together. Yeah, for a long time, Seth and I were working like roommates. You know, he was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. But then God showed us that we had to work together. And it was really messy at first, you know. I yelled at Seth. He probably, he looked at me with disdain. Because <laughs> Seth doesn't yell. I yell. And so, <laughs> and so it was hard at first. It was really messy. But, but, but I'm pleased to say that when we work together, it's so much more powerful. So much more powerful. And so that, you know, that's the enemy. He tries to divide us and tries to break us up. And he's sneaky. And he tries to divide us with our kids. And he tries to divide us with all kinds of things. But he won't. And so I'm just asking for prayer for that marriage group. And then after the marriage group will be a good kids training group. So please believe God with us. Believe God with us that the um, dunamis will grow. Um, you know, we always need covering. And I can tell when y'all aren't praying. So <laughs> around Christmas time. So please pray for us, even at Christmas. <laughs> so we really need it. All of us, all of us missionaries, we need it. Yeah. So um, that's all. I didn't get to any of Seth's notes. Don't tell him. <laughs> oh, you don't need this. Yeah. Who do I give this to? Are we on? There we go. Glory to God. Why don't you all stretch your hands out uh, to Shelly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We're so grateful for Shelly and Seth. We're so grateful, Father, as they've obeyed the call to go to Croatia. Father, we, and I know you appreciate their heart for the lost because it is your heart. And so we thank you, Father, for a fresh anointing as she goes back. A fresh anointing, a fresh fire in their heart. I thank you, Lord. We pray concerning this marriage class that, God, you give them wisdom and revelation and understanding. Father, you open up doors into the lives of couples in Croatia, those with whom they have to do. God, you begin to deal with their hearts that this class would open up, that marriages would be changed and families would be changed. It will change the makeup of the church there, and it will cause them to be united. It will cause them to be strong and be a force for outreach in that nation, a force for outreach in their city. Father, we just thank you for anointing. We thank you for provision for them, that every need is met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, Father, we just glorify you. We thank you 
for their obedience. We thank you, Father, that you always reward faith and obedience. And so we thank you that the year that is ahead of them, the days that are ahead of them are greater than the days that are behind them, that you have a future and a hope for them. You have a strength and a purpose to be fulfilled, and you anoint them for that very purpose. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you right now for your word. We thank you and we approach it as it is in truth, the holy written word of God. And you said that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, the reverence of who you are and your word. And so, Father, we set our hearts with great respect upon the word. And as we do, I thank you, you grant unto us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Open our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us today as a church. That as we reverence and we put respect towards that word, that you will open up that word and reveal things to us concerning who you are and concerning who we are in you. And in that revelation, the strategies of the enemy can never prevail and the gates of hell cannot prevail against the revelation knowledge that you will give us as we reverence the word and wisdom comes and revelation comes concerning the word of God. And it opens up to us new avenues of our life. It opens up that revelation, new avenues to who you are, to who we are in Christ, that we might understand the power of the blood and what the blood has done for us. That we might understand application of the blood of Jesus to our life. That we might understand the application of the love of God in our life. And it will cause us to grow. And it will cause us to take a stand concerning the strategies of the enemy. It will bring confidence to us that we are sons and daughters of God. That we have authority over all the power of the enemy. That nothing shall by any means hurt us as we stand in that which you've provided by the power of your blood. So we thank you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in every heart and in every life. We thank you for transformation. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for dynamic spiritual growth. We do thank you for everything that will be accomplished by your word and your spirit in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Man, I'm telling you, it's a good day to be alive. Amen. I want to first of all just thank uh, Jonathan and Jamie uh, for filling the pulpit last week. Uh, They did an awesome job, and I appreciate that. Uh, so much as they feel, and you can give them a hand. Amen. And then I want to greet you, uh, Pastor Marshall and Cindy uh, Townsley, uh, give greetings. I uh, wanted us to greet you. We were with them uh, last Sunday morning. We had a great time with them. They're celebrating 41 years uh, of Believer Center of Albuquerque, and so we went uh, uh, to celebrate with them and minister uh, there in Albuquerque, and so we're grateful and thankful for divine connections with them, and they love you, and, and God's connected us for really about 38 years with them and Believer Center, and it's been a great connection. And so we were glad to be with them, uh, but we couldn't have been with them if we didn't have uh, people here 
uh, to fill the pulpit and minister, and so we're grateful uh, for those that have ministered. Amen. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. We're going to pick up uh, from where we started two weeks ago, and uh, really we're going to pick up there, but we're uh, going to uh, come bring to a close our, our series, The Church Undeniable. And we're bringing it to a close, talking about one of the most important things that we can talk about, although all of it has been important, the undeniable love of God. And uh, uh, as we end this next week, we'll start a, a new uh, series. I've entitled it PPE, A Growing Season. If you want to know what that means, you'll have to come back next week and find out. Uh, praise the Lord, but we'll be, we'll be starting that. But First John uh, chapter 3. In verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now. Everybody say now. now. Come on, we're talking about right now. We're not talking about some other time, some other day. He said, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Come on, he's talking about the love of God being something so powerful and so uh, magnificent that when we grasp and receive the love of God, we begin to receive a transformation of life and become uh, and gain the knowledge that we are children of God. And so really, as we begin to talk about this, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, but normally when we begin to talk about the love of God, we, we think about who all should be here. Right, as we get into it, you'll think about all the people who should hear this message about the love of God because they need to hear it because they're not loving as well as they should. But you are the ones who are here. And I don't know if you know it or not. I don't know how big your God is, but my God is big enough to actually know who is here, not who is not here. So it really, we waste time thinking about who could be here, and it's just a distraction of the enemy because God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak to us. And so I don't know, you know, uh, many of you, uh, if you've heard us uh, any teaching on faith, you understand that faith is in the heart and in the mouth. And so when we teach on faith, we try to bring an understanding that, you know, when it comes to faith and the word of God and saying, I believe the word of God, there can be a place of mental assent in other words, I, I think about it and I think I believe it, but then there's a heart faith that truly embraces the word of God and grabs a hold of it and believes from the heart, from the place where it's a spiritual thing, a spiritual embracing and conviction and believing that comes, not just a mental uh, assent or an emotional assent. And so I want you to understand when we talk about the love of God, that generally speaking, we have a mental and emotional assent to the love of God. And because we have an emotional or mental assent to the love of God, we begin to immediately think about how we feel if people love us or we don't 
or they don't love us. We begin to all of a sudden try to figure out love by whether or not John loves me or not. And in order for John to prove his love for me, then he must make eye contact with me. He must smile at me. He pretty much shouldn't have anything else on his mind but me. And if he does have something else on his mind but me, he doesn't love me. And it's very easy for me to be offended because he's not walking in love. And so the enemy sets us up for disappointment. And he begins to distract us because we start to mentally and emotionally try to process love and whether people love us and, and, and begin to move around. But really, he says to us, he says, you need to stop for a minute. Just stop all the thinking, stop all the emotions, stop all the stuff. Stop for a minute and behold the manner of love that the Father, not John, not my wife, not Jerry, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. The life-changing moment becomes when we're beholding and the revelation of God's love comes and is received into our hearts. That we begin to think more about what he's doing in us to transform us so that we know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that there's something going on in us that causes us to reciprocate a depth of love for him and in turn then begins to develop a depth of love for us to other people. And so now, if I actually love John, I'm not concerned that he's preoccupied or whether John gives me the right look or whether John says the right thing to me or whether John shows up at my party or not because I love John and it's not predicated on whether John loves me in the way that I think he should or not. God wants us to live above offense, and the only way that we can live above offense is to embrace and receive the love of God into our hearts. It'll change marriages. It'll change how we deal with our children. It'll change how we respond in our job. And more than anything, it'll, it'll change how we interact with one another as the body of Christ. The enemy's trying to bring division to the body of Christ in a day when unity needs to be at its uttermost because he's calling the church together in a strength to rise up and to stand out in the world as a light in the midst of darkness. And as long as we keep going around expecting from others what we will not expect from ourselves. When we begin to label love as a personality trait instead of a character trait of a believer. 
So somebody who has a bubbly, kind personality, they love. But somebody who is determined to finish a course, they're not so loving. No, there's something that we embrace in our heart, not in a personality, not emotionally ascending to whether this is love or not, but receiving, standing, and beholding, and setting a gaze upon the cross of Jesus Christ, and beholding what manner of love does that. What kind of love goes to the cross, goes to the whipping post, goes to the grave, goes to the depths of the earth, and allows themselves to go through all of that before they're raised from the dead for a people who didn't know him, didn't care about him, and were foreigners and strangers so that they might become children and heirs. What kind of love does that? To start to ponder and behold and say, my God, who does that? A loving heavenly father who loves you more than you could ever imagine. Who wants you to know his love so that when you embrace it, there is such a confidence in you and in me that we are loved by God. Whether anybody else in this world loves me or not, I am loved by God. And the more I receive that, the more I receive a revelation of that. It means that I will not fear what man can do to me. That the reality that God is for me, so no one can be against me. Not successfully standing against me. I won't let anybody gain that advantage over my life to control my life because they should have done something for me that they didn't because he did everything that I need. And for everybody who thinks, well, now, see, he's just going in that place where we need people to be nice. I need people to love me. Listen, if we all embrace that, we're going to begin to interact with each other at a much higher level of not knowing each other after the flesh, but really beginning to know that any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God. And that he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. That we begin to realize that he's not done with me yet and he's not done with you yet. And what he's doing in me, if I give attention to it, he will transform me. Why? Because he loves me. Not because he doesn't accept me how I am. He accepted me how I was, but he loved me too much to leave me that way. And he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And so he's working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he's doing that. And when I look and know that he's at work in you and that you're letting him work in you and you're embracing his love for you, there's something that's going on that's not completed yet, but it will be completed. And when I know that and I understand that, I don't have to think about what everybody's doing right, wrong, and indifferent. 
We can just know that if we yield to the love of God, he is transforming us and he's developing us and changing us into the people that he's called us to be, sons and daughters of God. Which means if we're all sons and daughters of God, we are family. When we have that own, our own confidence in receiving and embracing the love of God, it puts us in a place that's very difficult to be offended. Our goal should be that you cannot offend me as believers. You just can't do it. Why? Because no matter what you do, my life does not depend upon what you say or how you look at me or how you respond to me. Listen, we're coming into a day, I can just tell you from leadership. We're coming into a day, Jesus said this. He said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. I mean, that's not encouraging. That's not what's on your mirror. That's not the confession that's on your mirror. The world will hate me. He just said it. If you're going to live for me, the world's going to hate you. But the, the most dynamic thing is we might expect the world's not going to like us, but when the world starts to embrace the word of God and the church is not liking each other, we're in trouble. And if we get moved by whether people look at us right or don't look at us right or like us or not like us or like the message that we bring or don't like the message that we bring, we would all quit. But God's called us to something higher, something greater, and it's undeniable. You can't deny when you behold the manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, it's undeniable what John 3.16 says, that God so loved the world. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that through him the world might be saved. Come on, listen. There's something incredibly uh, important about understanding that process because even as Christians, the world comes to us and says, what a, what, I don't believe in a God that sends people to hell. I don't believe that he loves uh, people if he's sending them hell. Come on, you just got to get it as a Christian. God is not sending anyone to hell. People are choosing to reject his salvation. Jesus died that we might be a new creation in Christ and be reconciled to God. He said, God is not imputing our trespasses to us, but sent Jesus that we might be brought out of the penalty of our trespasses and be reconciled to God. Right here he said he didn't come to condemn the world. He came that the world through him might be saved. It's all within Jesus, the opportunity. God showed and demonstrated his love. He's not demonstrating his love at your decision making at the throne of judgment. He demonstrated his love from the very beginning, the moment there was sin he stepped in and said I am going to bring a man the seed of woman and he will bruise the serpent's head and he will redeem man back to me and the original intent and so we're waiting and saying when I get to the judgment seat then 
Is that when God's going to show love? No, he showed love from the very beginning. He showed love when I missed it and when you missed it. He showed love when we were down and everyone was pointing fingers just like the woman who was brought out in the act of adultery. And he said, listen, I'm standing right here and I don't condemn you. Get up. And now you have the ability, knowing that you're not condemned, you have been empowered within yourself to go and sin no more. Come on, when you know the love of Christ and you know that there's no condemnation, you don't go sin all the more. When you've received it, at mental ascent, you're like, wow, I'm forgiven. I can go do it again. But when you receive it into your heart, you say, my God. What manner of love was that? That he forgave me and rescued me from eternal condemnation and hell. It'll change the way we serve. It'll change that. You remember the woman that came and the disciples were like, what is her issue? I mean, she's making a big deal of this. I mean, she's pouring expensive oil on you and all that stuff. And he said, listen, you need to look at this woman and understand. She knows that she's been forgiven much. So she loves much. But y'all think you weren't that bad. So if you're like, you know, I really didn't need Jesus that much. I really just needed Jesus to get to heaven. It's very difficult for you to love much. And show mercy. But when you behold the cross and know that you were there, then you realize, oh my God, I was forgiven much. I was loved extravagantly. And then you can love much. The love of God is undeniable and it's powerful. It's time, church, that we stop looking outward and we begin to behold the manner of love that the Father's bestowed upon us. To take time, just as they did in, in Numbers, and they had to look at the serpent up on the pole, and they couldn't just pass by and go, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the serpents are biting us. No, they had to stop and set a gaze on what was killing them and how God had raised that up to redeem them and bring healing into their life. We have to see all around what's killing us. And set our gaze upon Jesus. A minister said this. I, I believe Brother Hagin said this. Uh, but I'm not sure. So a minister said this. Listen, listen, listen real close. I love this. He said sin is this. We have all kinds of definition of sin. He said sin is this. Sin is one step out of love. Sin is one step out of love. What do you mean? Jesus gave us two commands. Two commands. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And to love our neighbor as ourself. Sin is one step out of the love of God. Yet we've mentally ascended. I love people. We have offense, we have unforgiveness, we have bitterness, 
that we've allowed to reside in our heart. We've allowed division. He said, listen, don't step out of love. That's sin. Step back into the love of God. And God will begin to weave and knit the church together like never before. He'll bring, to, bring us to a place where we're less worried about whether people recognize our gift or not. And begin to look and say, I mean, I loved it when Shelly was sharing. She's just, she's overwhelmed like these kids are getting born again. She didn't say anything about her gift, her calling, or anything. She was just humbled. She's like, I don't even know if I can do this. I'm just trying to talk to these kids. And they start coming and giving their life to Jesus and giving their life to Jesus and giving their life to Jesus. And it so moved her. And I know that she has a gifting, but she didn't mention her gifting so people would recognize. She mentioned people coming to Jesus. All right, I got to go. I've got about a minute left. And seven things. Come on, we just want to understand this. We went over this. I want to just cover these. So, this love, this manner of love that he's bestowed upon us just really lets us know that we're saved. This is the love that identifies us. Ephesians chapter 2, starting verse 4, says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, it saved you and identified who you were, the love of God, not our works, not what we've done, not our looks, not our money, not anything else. It was the love of God that reached down and saved us, not the love of somebody else, whether they made it happen. It all comes down to how much God loved us and sent Jesus to die for us. And we receive that love, not mentally, but receive that love. Salvation comes. Deliverance comes. Healing comes. Faith worketh by love. So often we're trying to, to, to get in the right place of faith, but faith worketh by love. And sometimes we make love a work of the flesh. Well, I... I did this great thing for Bucky so he should know that I love him. And didn't he recognize he should do something back for me? And now it gets to be a work of the flesh. Because I did it, I deserve something back. A work of the flesh will always deserve something. That's where grace came in. It gave us what we didn't deserve. And when we do something, as Jesus said... I can do something for John and expect nothing in return. I'm maturing in the love of God. Because that's what he did for us. He died on the cross never knowing if we were even going to reciprocate that love. He just did it because he loves us. I did all this. I mean, I, I've loved people. I've forgiven people. When is anybody going to do anything for me? And right then we know we've emotionalized and mental assent to the love of God. Because I can tell you two things are true. You were expecting something from what you did. And even though people responded to you, it wasn't the way that you needed it to be. So how can you say that? Because God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. 
you can't give into people's lives and not have God turn around and have somebody give into your life. But when we don't understand the love of God, we're looking for a specific person to do a specific thing back to us because that's what we did. And God says, I'll trick you. You do that. I'll bring somebody you didn't expect to do something in your life. But he says, the moment you don't recognize that or you devalue that, you've just caused an interruption in the flow that you intended to activate. John 13 34 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all, somebody say all, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Come on, the world's going to look at the church, and the first thing that they're going to see if we're going to be a light into the world is they're going to see that we love one another, that we're not offended with one another, we're not at division with one another, we're not talking about how the church did us wrong, but we love one another, even as Christ loved us. How are we going to reach out and love a world that hates us when we can't love each other who actually we love each other? All right, I'll keep moving. That hit a little too close. Number two, this love will bring you to maturity. Colossians chapter three. In the Passion Translation, it says, you are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable. Be unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. Forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. It's undeniable when we begin to walk in the love of God that we are growing up spiritually. Number three, love withstands any test. The love of God withstands any test. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31, it says, So what does this all mean? I don't know what translation this is, but if God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Come on, right there, when we behold on the cross, we see God has given everything. If he would give Jesus, he's not withholding anything. We might not be receiving, we might not be understanding, but if he's willing to give Jesus, what will he not give? Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? 
God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them. Not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? Nope. For they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love even though it is written all day long we face death threats for your sake God we are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered yet even in the midst of all these things we triumph over them all for God has made us to be more than conquerors and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything somebody say everything over everything so now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death. Life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstance that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which he is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Come on. It can withstand anything that comes. Number four, the love of God will increase your capacity. Incre increase your capacity. In Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, Paul prays this prayer that, that we'd be strengthened in our inner man by the Spirit of God, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would comprehend the depth, the breadth, the height, and the length of his love, a love that passes human knowledge so that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. He said, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask, hope, dream, or think. It says the love of God begins to increase your capacity for more than you ever dreamed possible. It doesn't say just your thinking, mental ascent. God should do this for me. I should have millions of dollars. He said, no, in this relationship with God, when you humble yourself, you think, you know what? I couldn't do that. God, I'm so glad for your grace and your mercy. And God will begin to expand your capacity to reach out to others. It's a powerful, undeniable love. Number five, it empowers you to make the right decision. Selfishness will never cause you to make the right decision. Never. But love will. So Paul said this. He said, I continue to pray for your love to grow and to increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. Somebody say all things. This will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all. Becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling 
of Christ. And you'll be filled completely with the fruit of righteousness, that righteousness that are found in Jesus, the anointed one, bringing great praise and glory to God. He says this love will grow and grow and abound in you in all wisdom and spiritual knowledge so that you can approve what is excellent. The love of God, your relationship with God, God's relationship with you will cause you to stop and pause about the decisions that you make and how they affect that relationship or don't affect that relationship. And you'll decide to do the things that increase the relationship so that you bring forth fruit of right relationship. Instead of deciding, I'm going to do it my way, not God's way, and break relationship or break fellowship. Not relationship, you're a child of God, but you break fellowship. When you break fellowship, he said, when you unhook or something's broken, you can't produce fruit. Number six, it releases you from the fear of judgment. The love of God releases you from the fear of judgment. How many times do we go around and say, those people over there, they're just judging me. I just feel judged. I'm feeling judged. Well, I'm just telling you the love of God is so undeniable and so powerful, it will release you from that. Whew, isn't that good? Come on, you can get around anybody and anything, and they can know your faults, and you're free from the fear of judgment because you've embraced the love of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 says this, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. He said, listen, Certainly on the day of judgment, we have boldness because we've been transformed by the love of God. We love him, he loves us. When we embrace the love of God, we don't have fear of being judged because we have judged our own heart properly. Selfishness will not allow you to judge your own heart. It will always blame someone else. But love will cause you to look inside and say, I know that God loves me and he has forgiven me. So I confess my sin, boldly confess my sin and know that he's faithful and just to forgive me. And now I stand cleansed of my sin and righteous. So if you notice it, it doesn't bother me that you would want to judge it because I've already judged it myself and brought it to the judge who loves me and said there will be no condemnation there will be forgiveness and restored righteousness and so the fear and insecurity that comes from my mistakes and what people will think goes away and I'm not afraid of my insecurity or what other people will think about me because I've already dealt with it honestly in his presence you can't deal with it honestly if you don't know how much he loves you and how much you love him. Behold what manner of love the Father's bestowed upon us. Last, the love of God always reveals transformation. It always reveals transformation. I've been a Christian for 60 years and I still have problems with these people. Hmm. Hmm. First John chapter 3 says this. We know that we've passed from death to life. Because I walked the front and prayed a prayer one day. 
We know we've passed from death to life because I knelt in my closet. We have confidence when we pray and make him the Lord of our life that we're saved. He says, but we know that took hold. We know that when we prayed and said, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life, forgive my sin, and be the Lord of my life, we know that he rushed in, and when he rushed in by his spirit, he brought something important with him, Romans 5 says, that the love of God was shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit the day we were born again. And he says right here, we know that we pass from death to life. How? Because we love the brethren. We love the brethren. Come on, now's a critical time to say, I got some problems with some brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, I just got to tell you, I got some problems. To stop and say, hmm, have I really passed from death to life? Because God's word is true, and he says, this is how we know we pass from death to life. We love the brethren. We love the brethren. So Philippians chapter 2, why don't you stand up? Philippians chapter 2, starting verse 1, it says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look, not out, look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Jesus has done something extraordinary. God's done something extraordinary for us. He's loved us. I just want to encourage you as you really stir your hearts, you look forward, you begin to look towards, you know, we're in the fall, we're even looking towards the end of a year into another year that you begin to just take some time to do what the Scripture says, and behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you. That beyond mental assent, you would receive the love of God into your heart. And that you'd begin to look and say, what can I do, God? What transformation do you want me to see about me? so that I can become more like you and I can love people with all that is within me, that I began to quit looking at whether people do for me determines whether I can love them or not. But put within me that I can love the unlovable, I can love those who persecute me, I can love those who despitefully use me, I can love the, the, the politician, I can love anybody around me. I don't have to fellowship with them all the time, but I can love them. God, grow me in the love of God that I can be effective for you and not always thrown off course and distracted by how other people are acting and how they're responding to me, but that I can respond to your love in such a way that I become a light in the midst of darkness. I can respond in such a way that I will embrace your body with love that will tell the world that there's something going on here in the body of Christ that is not going on out there. That's power. Father, we thank you for the love of God. We thank you for loving us when we were unlovely. We thank you for loving us in ways that we can't comprehend with our human mind, that only the Holy Spirit can help us to grasp and receive. 
For the enemy will continue to tell you. No matter what your mind tries to tell you, he will tell you you don't deserve such extravagant love. He'll try to get you into pride, say, I've done too much for him to love me that way. But lay it all down. And behold, the manner of love. To receive it without measure. Holy Spirit, help us to comprehend the depth and the breadth and the height and the length of it. That the enemy has no place in our hearts and our mind. That we understand that by the love of God, not by our own works, we were saved and identified as your sons and your daughters. Help us to know that no matter what the world is doing and what's going on around us and what happens to us, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That we're growing and abounding in all knowledge and all discernment as we allow the love of God to work on the inside of us. Deal with every heart and every life that we truly might be those who recognize sons and daughters of God, that we behold your love. And though we don't know exactly what we're going to look like, we know that we will be like you. And your word tells us that you are an open manifestation of love. We thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. For all that you've done for us, all that you are doing in us, and all that you desire to do through us because of your great love. In Jesus' name, amen.